I think there are a great many people in the church that do not understand that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. Paul warns the church as follows. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh. So he tells them not to do this, to flee fornication. Every sin that a man commits is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Fornication is a sin like unto no other sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Paul is saying at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh, even if you're having sex with a prostitute. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2, how to control fornication. To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. When I moved to um, Clovis, New Mexico, where my mother was living after my father died, I built an apartment to live in. And one of the concrete, the owner of the concrete company who did all the concrete work, came to visit with me about a project. He identified himself as a deacon in one of the local Baptist churches in Clovis. I had met his wife before and met him before, and he tried to get me to have sex with him. He said, God knows we need sex. Well, I just took the Bible and read 1 Corinthians 6 to him, and 1 Corinthians 7, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And I read to him this uh, scripture about becoming one flesh at the time of sexual intercourse, and I read to him 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He left my house and never, I never saw him again, but I heard about him. I heard he had tried to have sex with other women in the Baptist church group. And he was a deacon. Well, that's pitiful, but that happens. Parents, you should warn your children just because they are a minister. If they try to get you to do wrong, it's evil. Don't do it. Run away from them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God doing those things. And Paul says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But when that happens, we no longer do these sins. Jesus told the woman taken in adultery, Go and sin no more. She couldn't continue as an adulteress. You can't continue as a prostitute. You can't continue as a homosexual. After we are born again, we are changed by the Spirit of God. We are new creatures. We don't do those past sins that we did. And if you do go back to them, there is a very, very fearful fate awaiting you and us. None of us can go back to the previous sins. Who wants to? Don't we know those things we did before we were born again are worthless and vain and unprofitable and damning? Who wants to go back to those sins? But if anyone thinks they want to, here's what awaits them. Hebrews chapter 10. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. See, the thing is, you were once forgiven for those sins. You were forgiven by the blood of Jesus, but he doesn't sacrifice his, his blood twice for your sins. So if you committed fornication or cleansed of the fornication and go back to the fornication, there's no more sacrifice for sins. You really got a problem. There's one possible escape for you. If your flesh is destroyed, Paul says, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 5. So if your flesh is destroyed, it you might have a chance. But otherwise, you just don't have a chance. You're probably not listening to this anyway. But for those who are listening, at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. That's what causes you to become one flesh. That's how serious sexual sins are. Now, in Hebrews 10, For if we sin willfully after we have the received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much more punishment suppose ye shall be he thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot 
unto the spirit of grace. That's even worse in the New Testament than it was in the Old Testament in the law of Moses. For we know him that saith, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Next, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and deliver just lot vexed, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Verse 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Looking now at 1 Corinthians 5 concerning a brother in Christ who commits fornication and some of these sins. Paul says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. He's, Paul says to this church group, 
hey, your sins are worse than the Gentiles. And then Paul says to the leaders of the church, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in body, says Paul, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now this is the one hope I have for a brother in Christ who is committing fornication or one of these other sins that Paul is going to name, that he be put out of the church, that we not have anything to do with this man again so that Satan can take over his flesh and destroy his flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I believe that is his hope and our hope for such a sinner in the body of Christ. Paul goes on and says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Verse 11, But now I have written unto you, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such a one know not to eat. Many of the ministers today are extortioners in their own church. They take scripture and try to make you feel that you will not be blessed if you do not give to them. That's extortion. Some of your own ministers, many of them, are extortioners today. You're not even supposed to eat with them. You're not supposed to be around them. You certainly should not be attending their church when you see them do this. Certainly, it is fine to take up an offering at church. That is approved by God. But what is not approved by God is to take a scripture to try to twist the money out of the congregation by making them think that if they fail to give this money to that church, they will not be blessed by God. I've heard that happen over and over in the churches I've attend, attended. Robert Tilton was a master of extortion at Word of Faith. He was later exposed by ABC Primetime Live for his extortion. He asked people to send him prayer requests. They went and examined this and found the prayer requests were being forwarded from Farmers Branch, Texas to a bank 
in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the bank tellers opened the envelopes, threw the prayer request in the garbage, and deposited the checks. It's extortion. Well, for a minister to ask you, send me your prayer request, is a fundraising gimmick. No minister could pray for hundreds and hundreds of people that way. That's not an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. I refused to do it at one point in time when I was with Ellison Advertising Agency, which represents Kenneth Copeland, Marilyn Hickey, Bob Tilton. He rep- they represented all these guys. I refused to do that. They said, but Joan, you're missing a good bet because if you print on your material, send me your prayer request and tell them on your radio broadcast, send me your prayer request, they will usually enclose some money in the envelope. I said, I'm not doing it. Well, they kicked me out of the agency representation group. They said, oh, we found we have to cut back on some people, and unfortunately, you are one of the ones we have to eliminate. Well, I wouldn't obey them. Certainly, they couldn't control me. So I understand they had to get rid of me. But these other people stayed with them and rake in. Robert Tilton, according to Primetime Live, ABC Primetime Live, was was making $80 million a year on his fundraising drives. $80 million. Good lands, that is enormous. Then after they exposed him, his offerings dropped to two million. That's still an enormous amount of money. Finally, he divorced his wife, married another woman, divorced her, married another woman, tried to have a big time ministry somewhere in Florida. The Word of Faith group church that I went to in Farmer's Branch was totally destroyed. The building's not even there today. It was totally destroyed. Well, I had told Bob this was going to happen to him. I told him that in 1982 because what happened is Bob had a woman in his church group. I think she even worked at his office staff. He said she was a prophet. She said she was a prophet. He Bob had a radio TV show and a TV show and uh he invited Ava to be on his talk show. Before they went on camera, he said to her, just one thing, don't say anything about being a prophet because it's not popular. After the show was over, Ava called me and told me what had happened. She was crying. Well, I went to Bob and I I told him, I mean, I made a recording for him. He heard the recording because I got the report from the office staff that he heard it. On the recording, I told him, because you've killed a prophet. Your house will be left unto you desolate. About eight years later, he he and Marty divorced. He remarried another woman who said she was an evangelist. They divorced. She sued him, according to the Wikipedia report. They divorced, and then he went somewhere to Florida and married another woman. Today, or the last report was he was in Culver City, California and had bought a hotel and he supposedly still had a church it met in a conference room and a reporter went to it he said there were about six people sitting around a conference table 
And when they discovered he was a reporter, the ushers, or the the bodyguards, took him out and told him not to ever come back. So this is how it deteriorated. Listen, there's so much sin in ministries. It's incredible. But if you are in a church where there is an extortioner as a pastor, you probably can't do anything about him. You could go to the elders and tell them, but mostly you'll just have to leave him and avoid him, get out of that group. So Paul says in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 5, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. Don't try to eat the word of God at that church. You can't do it. Paul says, put them away from you. In verse 13, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. When Jimmy Swaggart committed um, adultery and with a prostitute, adultery and fornication with a prostitute, it was about 1988 that he was caught and he went on television with this tear-filled repentance. Forgive me, I've sinned. I happened to uh, visit a little uh, Assembly of God church in Clovis, New Mexico, looking for a church to attend. The first thing that pastor said that night was, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. I was so shocked. I said he should be put out of the church. I said it very softly. I wasn't trying to disrupt the church service, but a woman sitting in front of me apparently heard what I said, and she turned around and just glared at me. Of course, I never went back to that church. But you see, the Assembly of God didn't do this scripture. They didn't do what Paul said to do. And that is, they did, Paul didn't say pray for these, this man. He didn't say counsel this man. He said put him out of the church. The Assembly of God did not do that. They tried to pray for him and counsel him. About three years later, he was caught with another prostitute. And Jimmy Swaggart, by the report from Wikipedia, said to the policeman, quote, God has told me it's none of your business what I do, end quote. Well, it's very much our business what a person who says he's in the body of Christ does. It is your business and my business of what each of us do in private. So we can't keep company with such a man. On the second time, the Assembly of God defrocked Swaggart, put him out of the church as a minister, defrocked him. But he he just went right on with his big TV program. I think he probably still has it going today. So they didn't do what Paul said to do. We have to do what Paul says to do. Don't even eat with him. Don't keep company with him. I had to do this at Word of Faith with our Bible class teacher. When I went to him and I said, I hear you have a girlfriend, tell me about her. And he beat around the bush and hemmed and hawed and 
Finally, I just said to him, are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend? And he said, of course. He didn't have any shame. And I said, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class. He said, that's right. He didn't care. Later, I did find out that his flesh had been destroyed. To me, the fact that his flesh was destroyed gives me hope for him being saved. Because to go out there and commit one of these sins after you have been enlightened to the sin. There is no more sacrifice for the sin. Let's take another scripture here, Proverbs 1. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Walk not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil. They can't wait to get out there where that evil is. And they make haste to shed blood. Don't be deceived. You can't go along with them. You can't be around them. Why would we ever want to? Well, they entice us with their personality. They're often charming. They may be very intelligent. This teacher was. He was he told he told somebody he had a hundred and what was a hundred and seventy-four IQ. That's a genius level IQ. He was charming. He was intelligent. He was a fornicator in the church while teaching a Bible class. Even if he hadn't been teaching a Bible class, he was a fornicator while attending church, while sitting among us. This is terrible. Well, hopefully he will be saved by the destruction of his flesh. I've written out these scriptures for you. You can see them by going to our blog, which is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Tap on the right-hand side of the blog podcast. It will bring up this podcast. You can see all, all the scriptures that I've spoken, at least most of them. Once again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortation. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.